All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the Kung Fu Genius crew is going live and direct. Let's get to it. Happy New Year. And every day, I practice martial arts. Hey, look at that. Yo. I'm now the leader. Yeah. <laughs> We did it. Hey, so far, so good. Uh, so far, our, so good. Here we go. Our our lives are always a little... Yeah, Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Uh, Happy our New lives Year's. are always a little chaotic. Happy New Year, Dre. Happy New Year, Mikey. Happy New Year, Mike D. Happy New Year, Dre, man. Yeah. Happy New Year to all the KFG fins, the zones, all the peoples. <laughs> it's good to see you guys. Uh, our lives are always a little chaotic because, uh, well... <laughs> We're used to pre-recording these things. So we're used to like Dre can mess up, I can mess up, Mikey can mess up, and we have like three weeks to edit it and fix it and make us right. look somewhat polished. But here we are um, in another live. Uh, great to see you guys. Our first episode of the year. So there was no there was no normal episode that came out Monday morning for our audio listeners and no regular episode. Now this is the episode. If this is not complete dog shit, we'll strip the audio and I'll post it for the audio only people and they can have their episode of the week. Um, and we'll be back uh, next week with some regular episodes. I want to do more lives. Of course, we got to get a little smoother with the lives, but um, I like these because these are a lot of fun and we have the chance to interact with, uh, you know, the people who listen to us and yeah. answer questions live. It's a lot less polished and a little more chaotic. So, so um, chaotic. Yes, uh, especially when Dre, so, you know, we normally, when we do these lives, we like to get, you know, in about 15 minutes early or whatever, and, you know, so we can discuss or whatever. Dre literally got on a minute before we got on live, Chaos. if, if that surprises <laughs> anyone. And uh, so, yeah, so it was all like a little, a little wild trying to get everything set. I was trying to bring the extra, extra t intensity and chaos to the KFG today, you know? Yeah, we, uh, we definitely appreciate that, Trey. That is absolutely <laughs> awesome. So anyway, uh, just to remind everyone that the uh, best way to support the Kung Fu Genius is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash <laughs> the Kung Fu Genius uh, is uh, um, the, the best way to... Uh, to support us for as little as $5 a month, you can get access to episodes early. You get all sorts of like specials and goodies and things like that, stuff that I don't uh, put elsewhere. And um, I've kind of made a bit of a New Year's resolution because I am slowly becoming a bit of a hermit, uh, slowly wanting less and less to leave my house and to do more big projects, books, videos, all of that kind of stuff. And so I'm going to be doing a lot more on Patreon, a lot more exclusive stuff for our uh, Patreon um, uh, subscribers and uh, some more exclusive content. We're also going to be doing more interviews. As uh, Mikey and Dre know, we already have a couple interviews lined up uh, for uh, oh, the yeah. new season um, that I'm very, very excited about. And um, so, you know, because the, the interviews actually do pretty well, uh, especially, um, you know, the Bruce Lee related stuff. But we also have some some special guests coming up. So I'm so super duper excited about that. And um, yeah, lots of great stuff for our Patreon followers. So Patreon.com slash The Kung Fu Genius. 
uh, for as little as $5. Like I said, episodes early, all sorts of exclusive content, higher episodes uh, or higher levels of support, uh, get all sorts of other stuff, including private episodes and, and, and all sorts of fun goodies and stuff. So that is the best way to support us. I'm going to be doing a lot more for our Patreons this year. Um, uh, more content, more special stuff. And and also Patreon is the only way you can get your questions guaranteed on a Ask Me Anything episode. We no longer take questions from the regular YouTube comments. We do take uh, suggestions uh, for episodes, but if you have a direct question you want me to answer on an episode, you got to be on Patreon or you got to join us occasionally when we do these live episodes. So That's, um, that's what's up. You so know anyway, I have guys, a question out the gate. You got a question out the gate. All right, let's go. Let's do it. We got, we got Roberto Santiago question. All right. Let's say he's a Patreon supporter too, by the way. That's what's up. That's what's up. Out the gate. Yo. I Okay, Sifu, I thought John Saxon did a great job as an actor and as a fighter in Enter the Dragon. How do you think Saxon would have fared had he decided to pursue an action star film career? Oh, mm. how's that for controversy? That's not controversial. So by the way, today's episode, today's special episode, nope. ask me controversial questions about Bruce Lee, Kung That's Fu, not- Wing Chun, whatever. Silly stuff. That's not a controversial question. I don't think John Saxon would have done much as an action star. I mean, come on. Um, when, when, whenever, what, no, that's not to say anything bad about him. He was a fantastic actor. And um, no, I mean, when you're stepping out of the shadow of Bruce Lee, we, we only need to look at the career paths of the other people who are in Bruce Lee's films. Um, uh-huh. When you are in the shadow of Bruce Lee, that is not necessarily the thing that is going to launch you into stardom. Jim Kelly, who was probably the best martial artist of the guys not named Bruce Lee uh, or not, uh, you know, Jackie Chan or Samo as a stunt guy, a player in the background. Um he didn't really have a huge career, and he was pro- and he came right at the time of black exploitation with his movies. He had um, obviously Black Bell Jones, which is a bit of a right. classic, Hot Potato, Black Samurai, mm-hmm. and um, but that was kind of it. Yeah, but that was kind of it. Um, so, and he was way better than John Saxon as an actor, uh, or as a, not as an actor, I should say, as a fighter, as a martial artist. Um, definitely not as an actor. Sorry, I totally misspoke there. Um, but uh, he rode the wave of black exploitation in the 70s, and that was it. He couldn't really pivot his career um, in, in any other direction as far as films go. Um, John Saxon was not a nearly good enough of a martial artist to pivot into a martial arts career. You can see it when you see his fight scenes in Enter the Dragon, if not for Bruce Lee's choreography and ideas. I don't think he would have um, he would have looked as good as he did in Enter the Dragon. Um, yeah. So no, I mean, an action guy with machine guns and stuff. No, because the 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 '80s that was the time of uh, Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Man. John Saxon would have been too old and not uh, big or Austrian enough to compete with those guys. No. And um, no. Uh, no, it's 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 pretty. I th- I would say it's actually very uncontroversial to say that he w- would not and could not have had a huge action career. So okay, okay. yes, all right, <laughs> not controversial. Okay, I got I got a controversial topic there. <laughs> yes, okay, from Mike M. All right, what can we do 
to help mend the wounds of Wing Chun tribalism between all the different types of lineages in order to grow more of a sense of community. Wow. So, okay, now, now we're getting into something a little bit controversial because um, I'm, go I'm going to say something that's going to sound uh, um, a little salty or whatever. Okay. But, uh, but I'm going to, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to save it afterwards. Okay. Right, that, that's so, um, so here's what I'm going to say. Fuck the Wing Chun community. Fuck all of them. All right. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm serious. Okay. Look, all right. The Wing Chun community is just as toxic and shitty as the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community, as the Kyokushin community. The problem is if you do Wing Chun, you are a two, you, you see the politics and, oh, these guys don't like these guys and, oh, these guys are fighting with these guys. Why is the Wing Chun community so toxic? Why are there so many politics? Okay, pretend for a moment you're a Kyokushin karate guy, okay? okay. Who, who succeeded Masoyama after Masoyama died? Okay, they all hate each other the same way. The problem is you don't pay any attention to it because it's not your martial arts. Um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, there's all sorts of divisiveness in the jiu-jitsu community. Of course, they have the advantage that they can compete in tournaments and kind of hash it out. But um, there's, a, there's a division between old-school Gracie jiu-jitsu that focuses more on self-defense and kind of challenge mm -hmm. fight type stuff, modern jiu-jitsu, which is extremely technical and geared towards competition and then mma jiu-jitsu whether or not you should use leg locks or so that's like a, so the thing is pe wing chun people think that we're unique in having uh politics all right <laughs> yeah i don't know unique. we're the yeah, most I, unique yes i don't know a single martial art of of note where there are lots of followers and adherents uh -huh. where people don't argue look if you decided to just go on to tai chi um community boards okay um you would see that you would see that tai chi people argue about tai chi and which is the correct one and oh your teacher is shit or whatever that's freaking tai chi bro okay so the thing is that what you have to look at is you you cannot be the savior of wing chun politics okay you can set an example but that doesn't mean anyone is going to follow it so what i say is Fuck the community. Fuck trying to be accepted by any of these people that all they do is hate on each other and talk shit. Create right. an awesome community in your own school. Create an awesome community amongst your own training brothers and create an awesome community with other Wing Chun people between you and them. And don't worry about the community as a whole because it's dog shit. All right. You can be the change you want to see in the world and you're not going to change the community on the whole. You're going to change your own personal world. This is why, one, I don't really watch any Wing Chun stuff on YouTube, especially the other talking heads. Sometimes I hear these guys want to talk shit about me. That's fine. Maybe that's going to bring more people to watch us. But I, I don't fucking care. Like you would have to. <laughs> You would have to pay me money to give a shit about what any of these other guys have to say about me because hey. I focus on teaching, I focus on training, and I focus on my girls, and I focus on hanging out with you guys. But anyway, hey, oh, I see we got just got a super chat. I see. Oh, yeah. I see from yeah. CGK. 200? What is this? That's what's up. Wow. Uh, this is what – this is – yo, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. 
Uh, Lupus Rups Regis, did your source confirm Bruce Lee's OD theory? You asked for controversial. Oh. Okay, so he paid us some money to get this, all right? Uh, so, um, all right. Um, okay. Did my source confirm Bruce Lee's OD theory? I just decided that I wasn't going to discuss what I had talked about from my source. This guy is good, man. He's good. He's got me cornered. <laughs> he cornered you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, I'll, 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 let a, I'll let a little bombshell out. Okay. Um, so obviously we know that a couple of years ago, the drug letters came out that, you know, a series of about 50 letters between Bruce Lee and uh, oh, yeah. Bob Baker. They're all on the side from Bruce Lee going to Bob Baker. A couple of those letters were written uh, by Linda. Um, and uh, some of them were written by Bruce when he clearly was off his rocker. Um, and then there's a whole community of people that don't want to believe it because of Bruce the Savior or whatever. When Bruce himself, himself said, you know, uh, I am definitely no saint. Okay. I know, um, I know one person that doesn't believe it. Who's that? Shannon Lee. Um. I no, I think she believes it because I think she knows. I just think she's not going to say it. Oh. Um, no, I think you're confusing what she says publicly about her father with what she actually knows privately. Um, okay, so when the when we first did the reporting on the Bruce Lee drug letters, um, yeah. there uh, was a comment on uh, either. On, on that video, or we did a couple other videos where the drug letters were kind of the topic. So I don't remember if it's on the drug letters uh, video or if it's on one of the other videos we did on the topic, which says, hey, did you see that photo of uh, Bruce Lee with a Coke spoon? And um, I was like, what the hell is a Coke spoon, Mikey Dean? And then Mikey Dean explained to me what a Coke spoon was, right? And then, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay, so... For people who don't know, it's a little tiny baby spoon. It looks almost like a spoon for like a Barbie doll. And it can be hidden in something and it's usually put on a necklace. And then it's for taking, I suppose, uh, a, uh, I don't want to I don't want to demonetize this video. So I don't want to talk too much about details. All right. Um, right. And, and I'm like, well, in fact, I have not seen uh, this uh, photo of Bruce Lee with a so-called Coke spoon. And this guy was, and I was like, do you have the photo? Can you send it to me? And this guy was like, oh, I don't remember where it was, but I know that I've seen it. And I kind of brushed it off like many of the comments we get. All right, so, you know, someone saw Bruce with a goat spoon. And I am, I'm a Bruce Lee photo nerd, all right? I'm looking at, I'm at home right now. I'm looking at my bookcase over there and I have, in addition to like the regular Bruce Lee library stuff, I have tons of like just photo books of Bruce Lee stuff. And I have a pretty pornographic, photographic memory about, <laughs> about Bruce Lee's photos. Like I can tell you based on his haircut, I'm like, oh, this is late 72. This is early 72. This is early 73, whatever. And I have an idea. And, and I, I started to look through all the photos of that time period that I had seen. And I uh, did not see anything. I Googled Coke Spoon after Mike explained it to me. So I would know what one looked like. And I just kept looking. Every time I see a photo of that, like, two-year period where he's in Hong Kong, I'm looking at what's around his neck, right? And I didn't see it. And then, lo and behold, I ordered 
the one book on Bruce Lee that I don't have. Well, I'm joking. There's a bunch of Bruce Lee books I don't have because I'm not particularly interested. This was a book that came out in 1974. This book, so which means this book came out a year after Bruce Lee died. And what's interesting about those those books that came right shortly after Bruce Lee died is that um, it's a little bit before Bruce Lee got into that kind of James Dean level of like icon. He was just someone who was like this awesome martial artist who made these crazy movies and everyone loved them and he just died. But he wasn't quite like icon. He was just, it wasn't even sure if he was even going to be interesting two years later, right? And some of the books that came out immediately following Bruce Lee's death were um, pretty open and honest, not about the cocaine stuff because no one really, that was not open yet, but about like the cannabis use and about like, uh, him pulling the knife on low way, like the, you know, like the stuff that's uh, that Shannon and the Lee estate would never talk about now. Um, that stuff was kind of open in the books. It was in Alex Ben Block's book, which came out like a year or two after Bruce Lee's death. Even Linda mentioned like the whole thing with like pulling the knife on low way is not his finest moment. Linda was even a lot more honest. And this book came out, but this book came out like in '74. And um, I, I, growing up in the 80s, I never saw it because seemingly after it came out, um, I don't think this book was renewed for future editions. It's not written by uh, Linda. It was written by uh, Felix Dennis and Don Atio, which seemed to be fans of Bruce Lee or whatever that wanted to write this book. By the way, it was $2.50 in 1974. And so yes. I this book. I ordered this book. Um, because like I said, it's one of the few that I didn't have. And when I turned the page and or turned to the opening, I saw this photo here of Bruce Lee. And I have never seen this photo before. All wow. right. And and I immediately saw like, you know, the, the shirt he was wearing, the, the, the shoes, everything. I'm like, oh, I mean, I can tell that this is Bruce Lee from, you know, late mid to late 72. And I'm like, wow, cool. I've never seen that photo before. Mm. And then I looked at his necklace and I'm like, what is that hanging on his neck? Okay. Mm. And then I'm like, that looks curious, right? And then I go to the end of the book and I realize that that is just one, one photo of a photo series. And the, a bunch of other photos from that same day are there. You see these <laughs> photos here? And I've never seen these photos before, like, Certainly not published by the Lee estate. And I'm a Bruce Lee nerd. I would, I would know, even if I didn't remember where, I would know if I had seen these photos. And I look at these and I'm like, these are really cool. Now, mind you, I don't think the people who wrote this book knew what was around his neck. But I'll tell no. you what, I can, I, I'm pretty sure now why this book has not been available for reprint and why these photos have never seen the light of day and why this book has kind of gone into obscurity. Hmm. I'm going to put it up to the camera and I want you to see what is around Bruce Lee's neck. Miniature specialized cutlery. <laughs> Miniature specialized cutlery. Oh, I know what that is. Oh, yeah. It's a Pepsi spoon. Bruce had the Coke spoon around his neck and you will never see the Lee estate publish these photos. These photos pretty much have never seen the light of day. So, um, yeah. and that was 1974, a year after Bruce Lee's death, only for in 2021 for us to basically confirm this. Still there are people who deny it. 
Okay, so this conspiracy, not only of Quentin Tarantino to make up 50 letters to make Shannon look bad, but he even went back in time to 1974 to digitally add a Coke spoon to Brucey's neck. So um, I think it's pretty conclusive. And uh, whether or not my source told me it was an OD or not or whatever, I will let you, dear watcher and listener, um, make up your own mind on that. Okay, so what else we got here? Right, we we got, got another, uh, I guess. Fast. Check this one out. Joshua Dwayne Clark. My Sifu said it's a Wing Chun controversy for people to use Yip Man's Moyat stamps. I forget the right word on certificates. Any thoughts on that? Um, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a legal expert, okay? Um, any controversy would be based on trademark infringement. Uh, did the late Sifu Moyat have a trademark on his artwork or not? I don't know. I would venture to guess, so, so uh, just to bring people up to speed. So um, in, in Wing Chun, we have a bunch of sayings. Um, you know, the, the, it, as you guys, as my students know, we have all these kind of helpful hints and sayings. And um, they are, you know, the older ones are in more poetic Chinese. The modern ones are in more uh, informal Cantonese. And uh, the late Sifu Moyat, uh, who is also an artist and also a very um, close uh, personal private student of the late Grandmaster Yip Man, he oh. turned these sayings into chops, like stamps, like kind of like stone chops with the, the Chinese characters inscribed in there. And they're called kun kun. What people don't realize is kun kun aren't the sayings. They're the actual, they're the names of these, these stamps. The, the sayings are called samfat, which is like um, the the main method, the heart method of the style, right? And uh, there's a great book. Uh, yeah, there's a great book on the the, the Kun Kut, which uh, I, I think you can still get from everything Wing Chun. And it has those sayings there and very, very helpful stuff. And uh, it was at one point, I don't know if it still is, at, at some Wing Chun Museum in Ohio. Um, I know that there's been some controversy within the Moyat lineage about who owns those things and and whether the, the person who put them in the museum really had the right to do that. Those are Moyat politics. I don't have any skin in the game as far as that goes. You have to talk to someone who is an expert about that. I, I, I cannot tell you. Um, but uh, I would venture to guess that the, the, the graphics of a lot of those, because what he did is there are different styles of Chinese calligraphy. You have handwritten calligraphy um, the, in the grassy style, which is almost like cursive, where you don't raise the brush. You kind of do it in, in a continuous stroke. There's block style, um, which, are used, which are kind of these older versions. I believe the late Moyet did them mostly in this block style, which is similar to the, the Wing Chun characters on the head of the Lermting dummy. That's block style. And it's a little difficult to read. And I think that maybe some people have seen those files or those, those graphics and they may have used them. I, I don't know anything about people using those things on certificates. I certainly don't use them on my certificates. Um, I, uh, what controversy would they be if these things are for all Wing Chun people to use? I don't think it's controversial. If they are not, if the late Moyat or his family or his uh, wife, his widow has uh, some kind of trademark on that, then that is on them. Um, that's a legal issue, though. I don't know if I, I don't know if I call that controversial or whatever. Um, and but those are uh, those are uh, not my politics. <laughs> okay. All right, what else we got here, guys? Let's see. Let's see. Let's go into these comments. Yeah, we, we have got. 
people even comment even comments are fine they don't have to be straight up questions yeah um, also mm. but yeah matthew boyd here we go just quickly yes i have crisps except they're not really crisps they're tortilla <laughs> chips but here these are for you crisps <laughs> crisps yes 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 um all right so um all right, let's see here oh go ahead here we go. what would it take to persuade sifu keith kenspect to release the tang tang videos of yip man anyone who would object is dead in capital yeah. you cold british man christopher ho uh <laughs> um that's a good question so uh the uh the Footage of Grandmaster Yip Man shot by the late Tang Sang in 1966, 67, I think 66, um, is in the possession of uh, Sifu Keith Kanchbe. And uh, Sifu Lang Cheng has a copy of it. I think the original reel is in possession. Uh, Sifu Kanchbe has that. It has the Sunum Tao Chamkyu, uh, the wooden dummy, and the long pole. Uh, mm -hmm. There are no knives, no buji. And uh, I've seen the footage. It's incredible because it's a few years before Yip Man passed away. So he was still in stronger health than he was um, in the video that everyone else has seen, which was about 10 days before he passed away. Um, uh, I, I, I think it's a, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult question because Yip Man himself did not want to... Um, he did not want these things to be published. As a matter of fact, when so everyone has seen the photos of Yipman on the wooden dummy, the, the black and white photos of the set of 116 um, movements. And uh, when yeah, those were, yeah, when when th those were those photos were done at the same time as the Tang Sang video. So Tang Sang shot those photos and he also shot the video. It's basically, I believe it's probably the same day. So Yipman is wearing the same thing. It's in the same location. It's at the Sun Pokong Detectives Club, uh, which uh, Tang Sang would invite Yipman once a week to come and teach him and other detectives like uh, the late Lam Yin Fat and a few others. Uh, and so he had basically had a little detectives class for a couple guys and they, they would, you know, because all the detectives at that time were earning a lot of money because they were taking tea money from triads and gangsters. They basically paid Yipman a, a pretty, a pretty good fee to just come once a week and teach a bunch of detectives privately in this little club where they had a wooden dummy. That's also, by the way, what the reason why the wooden dummy is too tall for Grandmaster Yipman, because, um, uh, Tang Sang was uh, like a like five ten, five eleven. He was a very stoutly built Chinese man, and Yip Man was five foot two. So when they shot the photos, you see Yip Man is actually working on a wooden dummy that's not set for his height, and that has given some people the misguided idea that you have to raise the dummy so that the mm -hmm. arms are eye level, which is putting the arms at eye level is something people who don't know Wing Chun would do because they would assume these have to be head punches. Um, but it's not any anything that anyone who understands Wing Chun would do, and there are lots of reasons for that. I actually talk about it in my latest book, The Wooden Dummy, available at my pro shop. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you want to understand a little bit about the height of the uh, of the dummy and why it is that way, I talk about that a little bit in the book. So, um, so anyway, uh, uh, he shot this video, and he took the photographs. And mm -hmm. about a week later, um, this was according to to Siva Langting. He also talks about uh, Siva Langting talks about it in his wooden dummy book. About a week later, after shooting those photos and that that video footage, because he had the negatives, and when you have the negatives, you can blow it up to very large size. So what Tang San did is he took a couple photos from Grandmaster Yip Man performing the dummy, 
and he blew them up and put them into frames in that same room oh. where those photos were shot. And so on the wall, there would be, the, you know, the photos of Yip Man on the dummy and whatnot. And uh, when Yip Man came uh, the following week to, uh, uh, you know, to teach them, he saw that his photos were framed on the wall and he got pissed. And he, he uh, gave uh, Tang Sang a, a pretty serious tongue lashing. Like, oh, you should not post these things. Other people can come in and see my techniques or whatever. So Yip Man, you know, in certain respects was very modern and pragmatic. And in other ways, he was like, no. I mean, there are reasons why he re-edited the final sets of the dummy because he kept all the good stuff in there and he didn't teach that stuff openly. And you can... You can say, no, he taught everyone the blah, 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 blah. And he did not. He did not teach everyone. He did not teach everyone the pole. He did not teach everyone the knives. He did not teach everyone the last parts of the dummy. And even if he did, there was no guarantee that he actually taught them how to use it. Mm. So he did not even want still frame photos of him doing the wooden dummy on the wall. He made him take it down. And he got so angry at Tang Sang, he took the negatives and he gave them later to Lam Ting. That's why Lam Ting was able to reproduce the photos wow. in his book because he, own, he owns the negatives. And that's also why Lam Ting was able to blow it up in the poster that came with the old 116 dummy books because Lam Ting owns the negatives. He got them Brilliant. from Yip Man because Yip Man was pissed off at Tang Sang. And so uh, this is also the reason why when Yip Chun wanted to do the book about the wooden dummy, he had to go to Leung Ting because Leung Ting had the photos. Yip Chun only had a copy of the photos. Leung Ting owned the negatives. Did they ever reconcile? Uh, yeah, of course. This is the typical Sifu student stuff. You know what I mean? You get pissed off next day, you're fine, right? Okay. Um, yeah. but, uh, but he made him take it down. And then the video was shot with the idea that this was only for Tang Sang for his personal record. He was never to sell it. He was never to give it. And so to give it to anyone. And mm. so um, in the mid-80s, uh, Tang Sang became friends with Sifu Kanspecht and uh, they got very close. And um, when he passed away um, in 86, I believe, 80, late 86 or early 87, I still cannot track the exact date of Tang Tang's death, uh, his wife said, hey, um, my late husband had some, called Sifu Kanshman, said, hey, my late husband had something that he wanted to give to you. And it was the video footage. And the reason why um, Tang Sang uh, mm -hmm. gave the video footage or left the video footage to, um, to Sifu Kanshbeck is because uh, Tang Sang believed that if he had given it to a Chinese instructor and this, the other person he would have probably given it to would have been Leung Ting because Tang Sang and Leung Ting were also close. He felt that um, a Chinese person would have exploited it and would have sold it and would have done something for profit. And the reason why, uh, and that was Tang Sang's, so don't, don't don't go to the white guys in Chinese people can't be trusted. That was what Tang Sang told uh, his wife. And, and that's why it was given to Sivu Kanshbeck because she felt that Sivu Kanshbeck would not exploit the video footage and wouldn't put it out there for sale or anything like that. And he didn't feel that the same thing would happen if it got into the hands of the Chinese. And so that's part of the reason. He really likes Sifu Kanshbeck. He trusted him. And what Sifu Kanshbeck does is he shows it to his closest students you know, when they're advanced or, or they've learned the poll or something like that. And uh, so he keeps it in-house. And Sifu Lengfeng also showed me portions of it. Um, and um, th that is kind of, I, I actually respect them a lot for doing that. 
And given the amount of haterade that is thrown towards Leung Tang and, oh, he doesn't know this or doesn't have that or didn't learn this or whatever, um, he has more or less kept it a secret. And it's kind of his thing, like all these guys say, yo, yo, I'm the only one who teaches the authentic long pole. And it's almost mm -hmm. one, and, and I have to say, having seen the long pole, Grandmaster Yip Man's long pole form, I can say uncontroversially in an episode where we are trying to be controversial, that the harder people squawk about having the real authentic Yip Man long pole form, uh, the more likely it's not even close to the original. The guys oh. who are kind of the guys who are kind of silent and just kind of teach it and don't make a big fuss about it. They teach it to their senior students. They don't make videos. They they don't do any of this kind of stuff. They're the ones who actually learned it. The guys who are like, this is the real form of Grandmaster Yip Man and the most authentic. Blah, blah, blah. No. Sorry. So uh, it's not. And I, I have seen Yip Man's long pole form uh, a couple times in the video. Mm. And no, 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 no. The secret is safe. And it's not mine. It's not my decision. It's it's the, the people made a promise and they decided to keep it that way. And so um, that's how they're going to keep it. So it's not up to me. Um, uh, as, but of course it's easy for me to say because I've seen it. And, uh, um, so I could be like, all right, but if they don't want to show it to anyone else, that's fine. Cause I've seen it. I get it. Um, what I, what I do with my students who learn the long pole from me, when I, um, finish teaching them the long pole, I then demonstrate the way Grandmaster Yip Man did it because Siva Learnting modified a couple little pieces and I can show them this is how Grandmaster Yip Man did it. This is what Learnting changed. And this is how we reconcile the two. And so that is, um, mm -hmm. that's basically okay. the way it is, right? So, okay. um, yeah. So that I have, is. Uh, I have something uh, interesting. You got Anthony Barreto. All right, yeah. here we go. He, he, dropped some, he dropped some coinage for us, Best Nation. Beautiful. Thank you. Best Nation is the donation. Yes. I'd like to now. say, though, I don't know if he's dropped enough coin to pose this question. We're going to pose it, but. You know, I think it's a bit cheeky. Just saying that. Oh, <laughs> man. Barreto. Uh-oh. All right. Bruce. Are we ready? We got Bruce yeah. Lee versus Beardy. Who wins? No holds barred. Wow. Well, that's a that's an unfair question because um, that's like saying, like, who could win in a fight, Muhammad Ali or Superman? You have one real person and one fictitious character. <laughs> so you have Bruce Lee who a fictitious character. <laughs> you, you, have, you have Bruce Lee, who was a very real person, and then you have Beardy, who is a made-up person. Okay, um, what, what, why, um, why does Beardy, why can he not show himself? This is a very, very telling thing. Um, so no, it's not there. You cannot put a real person in tractable history up against a fictitious character. That is not the kind of um, hypothetical that makes any sense. All right. Okay. Here's the thing, to be fair, Beardy is a real person. He just doesn't show himself. So he's robbing us. We're robbed of the fact because Bruce Lee is dead, right? But if someone could find out who Beardy is, and he's clearly a chancer, we could watch Bruce Lee, if he was alive, beat the shit out of this guy. And it would be awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's so mind-blowing because there is a way to do Bruce Lee clickbait well. So I think that uh, Golden Bell 
does good Bruce Lee clickbait. He'll have a very clickbaity yeah. title, but then when you watch his video, he really does his best to give good, solid information Wait, about Bruce Lee. We forget, we forget that Beardy did train a year like Bruce Lee did. Or yes, yeah, yes. Absolutely. Eating eating chick, chicken water and rice, right? 17 hours a day. <laughs> yes, yes. He did and the Bruce Lee routine for a whole year. Yeah, which is, it, it's very silly. I mean, having a, I actually have a bunch of Bruce Lee's training routines in a, uh, uh, in a in a book at City Wing Chun by our we have a, a Marcy machine at City Wing Chun for, oh, for yes. lifting weights and stuff and I have like Bruce Lee's routines out of John Little's book and um, it's it's uh, it's no guarantee because I've seen Bruce Lee's he he liked to do lots of circuits he liked to do lots of lots of very kind of very standard weightlifting stuff. Even if you trained like him for a week, there's or sorry for a for a year, there's no guarantee that you would have anywhere near his results or whatever. Because we have body type genetics, we have all sorts of stuff. Plus, there's also the additional types of training that Bruce Lee was doing, the martial arts training and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of wild, right? Um, oh, we have a question here. I see from Greg Cummins. How close is the Yip Man long pole form to Tang Yik's? Tang Yik's long pole form is expanded. Lokpin Pun Guan is a short form, okay? And the Tang family, they clearly have expanded the form. When you look at the, the Lokpin Pun Guan among the various Southern styles, it's a very short form. The, the long was it's, it's um, what we say, uh, the, it's, we have the So it's the one point, two extremes, three levels, four corners. It's all, it's all about fighting here. There's no spinning. There's no turning. There's no any of this kind of stuff. So you're limited in terms of the number of movements because it's a highly specialized set for a highly specialized type of fighting. Um, and clearly the Tang family expanded that form into multiple sections or whatever. Um, and so you can see a portion of the Tang Yip locked in bunguan form is what i would deem standard locked in bunguan uh and the rest of it is their own accretion their own development and they're very good in the long pole but it's not the uh um it's it's not the long pole locked in bunguan is a short form so uh yeah what else you got for me guys okay how about this one um just a comment, actually, from Chris Beery. One more F bomb and Andrew gets you demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is the one episode we cannot blame uh, uh, Andrew on because he's not uh, he's not oh, handling the editing. I'm blaming yeah. him. I'm 100 percent blaming him. It's his fault. He's not here, so he can't defend himself. It's perfect. yeah. We got to self edit. <laughs> it's crazy. It's awesome, crazy. awesome 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 uh, uh, by the way i just i want to discuss before we go on to the next question uh, uh let me just i uh, just want to talk about a couple things real quick um for uh 2024 uh just a reminder uh that uh my winter itc which is my winter intensive training camp uh, in New York City. It's not this coming weekend. It's the following weekend. Um, it's, it's mostly booked. We have people coming from all over the, uh, all over the world to come and train. And uh, so we have guests arriving as early as uh, this week already all for that. All over the land. And just a reminder to City Wing Chun students, especially our New York-based students, but all of our other students and our partner schools as well, uh, that if you have not registered for the winter ITC, you need to do that ASAP uh, to make sure that we have enough spots for you because uh, space is limited. And um, also for those of you who are interested in coming with me to Hong Kong, just like I did uh, this past year, um, the uh, that is also available for you guys. We have a link. It'll be uh, I'll pin it if it's not pinned at the time of at, 
right now as we're doing this live, I will pin it afterwards. Um, there's a link you can go to citywingchun, uh, T-S-U-N, by the way, dot com, uh, and get all that info. If you fill out the form, you will get a bunch of information sent to you automatically uh, by PDF. And uh, it has all the links and everything, all the information you need for the Hong Kong trip. I'm super excited about it because the last year's Hong Kong trip was so successful. I'm so super excited to do it again. But it is a big trip going to Hong Kong. So uh, that's why I have the links and everything ready uh, extremely early for everyone. And then if you miss the winter ITC, um, I have my regular week-long ITC in June. And we will have the links for that available as well. So uh, the winter ITC is a three-day seminar, but my normal ITC is a week long. It's seven days. That's uh, at the end of June. We'll have links for that available. So keep that in mind if you want to come and train with Kung Fu Genius in New York in hot, balmy New York in June up there on the fifth floor in that's the sweat box. Too, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, all right, what, else you, what else you guys got for me? Let's see. Right. Let's see. Dion Goss. Being as you've not done any Dryson questions for a while, does Dre have a backlog of them? Kidding. Dre, you're awesome. <laughs> well, um, here's something that, uh, uh, that you might not know. Okay, so we, uh, before, I, uh, we, before we went on our holiday break, we recorded a few episodes. So we have, as we like to say, a few episodes in the bag, uh, which have not come out yet. And uh, Dryson who has not made an appearance for a long time, got a little pissy that I said he's too broke-ass to support us on Patreon. And Dryson started supporting us on Patreon, which means we have to answer Dryson's questions. And <laughs> Dryson, now on Patreon, asked the question, and we have actually already done a Dryson hypothetical from Dryson on Patreon, whoever Dryson is, and I seriously don't know. I'm not even joking. Um, and so uh, we've already recorded it. So uh, on an upcoming episode, could be next week or the week after, but in the next few weeks, there will be a Dryson hypothetical uh, coming up. So the yes. For the record, I'm not Dryson. Just so you yes, know, you Steve, are. I am not Dryson. What about uh, Dr. Ison? Yo, Dr. Ison. <laughs> I am not as well. You know, it's funny because we have Dryson, which is your name. And everyone can see your name here in the live. Dre Ison, that's your name. Dryson is your name as one word. Dr. Ison is your name with a space in between the R and the E. I think the only one we have not done yet is Dry Sun. Dry like D-R-E-I and then space S-O-N, right? Okay, I think that's right. the only one. Or maybe, uh, uh, I don't know. Dryce on. Okay, so there are only a couple more, a couple more uh, combinations that are uh, tenable. But yes. Oh, Dryso, Dryso. Yes. Perfect. Ray. <laughs> we gotta get Perfect. him in. All right. So what else you got for me? Comments, questions. See, the see. more controversial, the better. Here's a good one. I could probably answer this one. Dre or Mikey? Who is the more skilled student? Oh, well, it's Dre, obviously. But, well, Dre, Dre is a, a, a higher ranked, and he is a full instructor under me. Uh, Mikey's on his way there. Um, but uh, I don't – it seems weird. Student, it, it, student in what way? Well, that's you're, another you're, thing. You're, it, it's kind of weird. Uh, um, and uh, I'm not throwing any shade here, but, like, um, <laughs> when, I, when I started teaching, you know, I was very young. I was in my uh, early to mid-20s. 
and you kind of look at your students and you're like, all right, this guy's good. Uh, this guy doesn't have potential. Uh, this guy's really awesome. Or this guy's a good fighter. And uh, in all my years now, which are over 20 years of teaching, I've been teaching now. This is going to be my 22nd year of teaching Wing Chun. Um, I, I don't do that anymore because everyone who comes to my school, they come. And I know it sounds like a cop out because everyone is so macho and egoistic. Oh, who's the best fighter? Who's the best guy? Who's the, who knows the most? And you don't really see it that way anymore because when you've been doing it for a while, everyone's kind of doing it for their own reasons. Everyone has their own specialties within the style. And I, and I look forward to kind of helping people expand what they're good at. You know, people who are really technical, others are good fighters, others are good teachers, others have a little bit of both. And so I, I, I don't really like go like, oh, this guy's better than that guy. And I, and I say that in all honesty. 15 years ago, yes, I'd be like, that dude sucks. That guy's all right. <laughs> but uh, this iteration of the Kung Fu Genius, now I'm like, they're all my children and I love them all to death. Um, okay. Aww. We love you too. Miguel, Miguel C., thanks for the $5 donation. Much appreciated. Oh, yeah. The best, the, the best nation is the donation. And Miguel C., uh -huh. feel free to ask us a question. You get. You get pushed up there for that super sticker. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Shout out to Miguel C. Preach. Mm-hmm. All right. What else we got next? Let's see. Let's see. Where, where we go? Hey, how about this one? This guy's uh, bless him. He's been very patient. Um, what do you think about whether Bruce Lee had ADHD? ADHD. His childhood nickname never gets still. His use of drugs to relax the turbo fuel mind. And so he points out in that profile, greetings from Peru. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Great question. Um, well, um, so uh, this might sound controversial, uh, but this is our controversial episode. Um, <laughs> I am not a medical doctor. Right? I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I have absolutely zero qualifications to uh, diagnose someone. Um, and even if I were, uh, it's generally not um, best practices, even if I was, let's say, some kind of therapist or whatever, to diagnose someone you have not treated personally, and then certainly not to talk about that openly. But all kind of medical ethics aside, um, I mean, as a complete layman who knows nothing, has no particular training in the topic, um, I think, yeah, I think that there's a, um, there's a, probably a very good case to be made that Bruce Lee was certainly ADHD um, mm -hmm. and uh, that his propensity to certain substances or whatever, probably an outgrowth of that. Um, he probably has a certain cluster, had a certain cluster of, um, you know, I was, so I just like, I don't know anything about like steroids and anything like that, but I watch a lot of Greg Doucette videos um, and I, I don't know any, steroids. yeah, I don't know anything about like psychology but i do watch a lot of uh um uh what's that what is that another famous youtuber dr man now i can't remember because i just keep thinking about greg Doucette. um there's another uh, youtuber he's uh uh um, he has it comes out with videos every day he, he's actually on, like a, no the, he's actually like a psychotherapist or something and he actually <laughs> will will an analyze people or whatever so i watch a lot of that stuff um, I think that Bruce Lee probably had a certain cluster of, um, I'm going to say personality disorder, because I don't know if that's the right terminology, mm -hmm. um, but he was definitely a bit on the thrill-seeking side, a bit on the less cautious side of things. And I think hyper. that, 
I think that there's a very strong case to be made that uh, that those certain attributes had some. No, it's not Huberman. Um, Hey, I don't know. It's uh, it's uh, being here. Like, give, give me a second. You guys talk amongst yourselves. I'll look Is it up. It Dr. Grand. Stop, Dre. All right. No. Okay. Never. <laughs> Would you like that? <laughs> so, Dre, how you? You good? Yeah, I'm looking through these. We're comments. supposed to be talking amongst us. Talks. Oh yeah. Talks no, amongst let's yourselves. do some shout outs. Let's do some yeah, shout outs. While do we're some shout outs while I look this up. Andrew Shout Spock, out. Kasim, my man, how you doing? Chris Beery, Shout fantastic. Gareth Smith, Grande, welcome, sir. Dr. Yeah, Grande, Dr. Grande, guys. That's who it is. Dr. Dr. Grande. Dr. Grande, Grande. Dude, he's, Grande. He's the shit. He's the shit. He's so great. If you guys if you guys don't watch him, you guys should watch him. He's amazing. He does videos on, on all sorts of topics. Really fascinating. He'll take, like, stories in the news, and then he'll look at it and – he doesn't diagnose anyone because that would be unprofessional. But he does. Uh, he does e explain you know, it, and and uh, it's pretty good. Yo, Adolfo, what's up, man? Good to see you there, Adolfo, from our Midtown headquarters. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, oh, man. shout out to Brent Quando, who's 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 lurking in there as well, Mister Brendan. How are you, sir? Yeah, what's up, Brendo Calrissian? <laughs> someone, someone put in Jordan Peterson. Um, no, not Jordan Peterson. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't spend a whole. I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time watching a guy who cannot answer a direct question without conflating. <laughs> depends depends what you mean the means. Uh -huh. Depends what you mean by question. All right? No, sorry. Piffle. All right? Get to it. You either have an answer or you don't. All right? No, okay. I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to get on Dr. Grande because you know, I had that, that, that steroid thing when I had the elbow injury. So I'm trying to get Dr. on there. Dr. Grande is not a medical doctor, Dre. I'm saying I'm trying to get on there because I was on the steroids heavy. If there's a if there's a Dr. Grandy, that also kind of Im implies that there's a Dr. Venti and a Dr. <laughs> yeah, what what was the other side? Yeah, anyway, Stop yeah, what, yeah I, a, a rant about Starbucks. Yeah, a ranting about Starbucks sizes, uh, like the names they use is so. Uh, 2005 so all right let's ah. let's continue all right what else we got right. here oh. let's see let's see so by the way while we're waiting so for them to find them i just want to talk a little bit about some of the things that i've been interested in lately which i think are going to feature uh prominently in uh the patreon like i said i'm going to be expanding the kind of content i'm doing for patreons uh, I've, I've been like on a real history kick for anyone who's been following me for a little while been focusing a lot on historical stuff because um, I want to learn a little bit more about the historical methods because there are a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot of people, there's a small percentage of people within the Wing Chun community who kind of call themselves historians or claim to be historians. And when you spend 10 minutes reading about actual historical methods used by historians, you realize there's not a single person who's an actual historian who has applied these methodologies to Wing Chun history. There's a lot of people out there will sell you styles or will tell you what what they know about the history, but um, they're, th these are things that wouldn't even hold up in a basic history paper at a uh, college level. These things would all be, uh, they would all get a big F. And so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm studying as a total layman. I'm also not a historian, but I want to have a, a, a slightly deeper grasp about what the methods are that historians use to uh, determine these things so I can maybe put something together about Wing Chun history. The problem is 
Wing Chun history is all myth and stories and bullshit. So it's very difficult to kind of cobble anything together out of myths. But uh, maybe that is the grand takeaway that, you know, there is, in fact, nothing we really can know about the history of Wing Chun to any discernible degree of uh, certainty because it is just a bucket of hot nonsense. And I was further spurned by this because a few days ago someone was like, well, I believe that, you know, Wing Chun used to be completely internal. All right. Mm. Okay, that, that's a claim. You need to substantiate. See, the funny thing is no Wing Chun practitioners even use basic, like, if you took a history class on historical methodology and you're not a historian, you still wouldn't say the things these people say. Saying that, you know, Wing Chun used to be internal and now it's not, this stuff is lost, that is a claim. And when you make a claim, the burden of proof is on you and you need to substantiate. Burden of proof. And, and then by saying, well, it's just my opinion, does it now fact proof that as a thing? Well, it's a, it's, it's a claim, but not really a claim because I said it was my opinion. Well, if you say it's your opinion, then it can be dismissed mm. because unless it actually has anything to substantiate your claim, saying, oh, this is just my opinion doesn't proof your claim from criticism because it's like they say that as a, they couch it by, well, this is just my opinion. Um, yeah, but if you're making a claim, then it can be thrown out. If you have said, I, this is what I believe, these are the facts I believe substantiate this claim, but it's still my opinion. That's better. But you just can't say, it's my opinion that Wing Chun was internal, mic drop. Because why? Because someone told you that? Where did they get that information from? Because you read it in a book? What's the source of that book? And then is that book referencing another book? Where's the source? You have to keep going back until you finally nail it down. And so I'm uh, having taken some... I'm doing some online courses on historical method and I'm going, oh, nothing, even in my own Seagong's book, Roots of Wing Chun, nothing mm -hmm. in there even remotely has anything that would resemble the historical method. And, um, and it's, it's really a bucket of hot nonsense. And then people are like, well, I believe Wing Chun was created by a woman and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's a claim, but it's a fairy tale. It's a myth. There's nothing to substantiate that. So anyway, this is one of the things that I'm getting into. What can we actually know about the history of Wing Chun? And based on my studies thus far, I'm going to tell you probably not a whole lot. So anyway, um, what else do we got here, guys? Okay, I have a question. Go. Okay, go, go ahead, Dre. We got a question from Adolfo, Adolfo mm. Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So going to a question I asked way back, if you could build a shed in your backyard to practice Wing Chun, what dimensions do you recommend? Keeping in mind that long pole would not be possible. It's just a hypothetical, Adolfo. It sounds like... This sounds more like Adolfo wants to build a little man shed in his backyard. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> well, wants to get my expertise on there so that yeah. he can clear he can clear with the wife. Well, I consulted an expert. He said it needs to be this big. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a long, long, long pole is probably uh, a non-starter. Although, if you wanted it to be the full Wing Chun kind of uh, man cave shed training thing, I don't know. Um, if you, it should be at least big enough that you could do some cheese house sparring with one other person in there, right? Oh, yeah. um, maybe not fully, like for full on crazy sparring, but you should have padded walls. 
Um, and um, you could still actually train long pole in there, but you would have to be outside. You could open the door shed and then have a series of targets that could come down, which you could you could go into to the shed door to do it. Mm. Um, but the actual practice of Qigong and, and Lekwan inspiring, probably not the case. Um, <laughs> and uh, by the way, if you don't follow my good friend, uh, Mak Chi Kong on uh, Instagram, oh, yeah. uh, this is, this is going to be worthless for people who are... Um, listening to us when this episode comes out on audio only but for those of you who are here on youtube um i will type it in the chat here uh Maxi kong um you got to follow him on ig he's one of my good friends he's a hungar master he just posted a really slick video of uh doing the lokti bunguan against this really cool target and uh that's the kind of stuff i would put in kind of a backyard shed arrangement but that's long pole i see well uh, adolfo's like not long pole because he hasn't learned long pole yet and then what i'm talking about is what i would do with a long pole if i had a hypothetical backyard um but yeah you definitely want to make sure that you could put up wall bags heavy bags and you know a dummy or anything like that but the main thing is for partner practice for solo practice that you have enough space to move around i don't know what those exact dimensions would be um mm. i would probably go to city Wing Chun, look at the mats we have there because we have those square mats, grab a partner and you could kind of figure it out by looking at the mats, how much space you would need for that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not the carpenter genius or the design genius, only the Kung Fu genius. Um, <laughs> boom, 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 right. boom. Uh, all right. What else we got? So here's a question for you. Out of all of Bruce's friends and acquaintance in inverted commas, who was the biggest grifter? I, I heard Joe Lewis was pretty disrespectful towards Bruce until he learned he could make dollars out of it. Oh. Oh. Um, that yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, that, that's kind of, that's a good question. So I think, I think Joe Lewis was probably the biggest a-hole out of all those guys who used to hang out with Bruce Lee. Uh, Mike Stone, Mike Stone occasionally says some kind of weird stuff. I mean, what you have to realize is that it was a different time period. And for all these guys going like, oh, well, Bruce Lee never fought, bro. Point karate in the 60s is crap, okay? I mean, I did point karate tournaments when I was a kid, all right? I have some trophies from some point karate tournaments. Does that mean I have more fighting experience than Bruce Lee because I fought in a tournament? Uh -huh. uh, I mean, this is stupid, all right? I did taekwondo tournaments. I did sport jujitsu tournaments. But I wouldn't say that my... Um, you know, like the kind of experience that Bruce had in uh, the rooftops in Hong Kong or in a boxing ring. I wouldn't say that that just talking about my experience fighting in those tournaments as a kid and as a kind of a teenager would somehow put me on like uh, on par with with Bruce Lee or whatever. I mean, point karate in the 60s was a glorified game of tag. Mm. You tag the guy, boom, stop, reset. Bouncing around, kind of trying to tag the guy occasionally. Yeah, I mean, occasionally people got popped. I'm not going to say people didn't get hurt in those things, but you got in trouble for excessive contact, all right? So when we talk about Chuck Norris being a karate champion in tag karate, all right? At least Joe, at least Joe Lewis transitioned into full contact kickboxing. So you can say that about him. Um, you can read John Little's new book about that whole thing that happened between them. Um Read the read the letter that the apologetic letter that Chuck Norris had to write because the the thing about Chuck Norris kind of talking ish about Bruce Lee like oh well you know I was a, I was a pro fighter and Bruce was, da, 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 da. he says 10, 15, 20 years after Bruce Lee's dead but a little bit of that shit talking seemed to have happened before Bruce Lee died and there is a very apologetic letter 
from Chuck Norris to Bruce Lee, you can Google it and you can make up your own mind. Um, and so um, if Bruce Lee was just an actor, uh, then why were these guys going to Bruce Lee for private training? And, um, and let's not forget, it wasn't like they were going to Bruce Lee because people could say, well, maybe they wanted to get into acting and they wanted roles. Yeah, but the time period where Chuck and Mike Stone and Joe Lewis were training with Bruce Lee, he had already lost the Green Hornet. He wasn't able to get an acting gig at all in Hollywood. So the idea that they were glomming onto him to maybe get a gig in a movie is ridiculous, okay? Because Bruce wasn't the guy with those connections. He was trying to get into movies, could not get into movies. Those guys were taking lessons from him because he was improving their abilities and they were starting to win more tournaments more consistently because of these ideas that they were learning. So um, why then all the haterade after the fact? Because yeah, maybe um, none of them, you know, they went to Bruce Lee in a very respectful way to learn. Okay, we'll take away the weirdness that happened with Joe Lewis at the end of his relationship with Bruce Lee, notwithstanding. They probably were very loyal puppies when they were at, you know, they were probably very kind and, and, and appreciative of what Bruce Lee had to offer. And then no one knew Bruce Lee was going to become Bruce Lee. At the time of, you know, when they were learning from Bruce Lee, he's like this kind of innovative martial arts guy who was doing stuff that was kind of blowing their minds in terms of, adapting fencing tactics and moving and heavy bag training and using boxing training for martial artists. And that was very revolutionary. They didn't know he was going to be like all caps, Bruce Lee. And then Bruce Lee <laughs> dies. He becomes legendary. And then people go like, Hey, you learned from Bruce Lee. What was that like? And then maybe part of them were like, well, what about me? What about my career? It's like, Oh, now it's like, that was just some guy we were learning from. And then there's like a little kind of like, post jealousy and then thinking like well if i actually did fight him which maybe they never really did because they were learning from him yeah maybe i could have beat him so it's kind of this thing after the fact and so i i don't take a lot of those comments personally i mean when i mean like i i listen to it i go it's kind of disrespectful and kind of lame that they would say this stuff after the fact but they have their own reasons for saying that mm. um and maybe they really believed it and the fact that they believed it doesn't mean that it's true okay um, or if even if they could beat Bruce Lee, who the hell cares? All right. It might, I mean, it, it's the same thing I always bring up. Do you think Mike Tyson could have beat Customato in a, in a boxing match? Yeah, of course. All right. But Mike Tyson is learning from Customato because he's a guy to learn from. Like this idea that your fight, your, your teacher has to be the best fighter in the world. It's like on what planet has that ever been the case? Um, people, people are proud when their teacher is also a badass and also a good fighter, but many, many good fighters can't really teach. And a lot of fighters have to mature into being a good teacher. And by the time they mature into being a good teacher, their fighting days are over. So this whole, oh, my teacher can beat up your teacher. Listen, come on. We're not 15 years old. Shut up. Yeah. Go away. All right. So, uh, what else you guys got for me here? We're almost, we're, we're, we're up with an hour here. Let's, let's do about another Another about five, six minutes. Cool. I'm going to quickly give just give a shout out to Dion Goss because uh, she left a lovely, uh, they left a lovely, um, what's the word? Comment. Because I can't speak and remember words because I got very, very hammered last night. Anyway, just says, thank you. That was the first time I've had a comment read out on a podcast. Thank you, Mikey, for pronouncing my name correctly. You wouldn't believe the variations I've heard over the years. Same, same. Believe it or not, people do not know how to pronounce 
my last name and Beanie. Yeah, exactly. Or my personal favorite pet peeve of mine is when I introduce myself as Mikey, it's spelled M-I-K-E-Y, and everyone's like, it's Mickey around. I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about. There's because a C in Mickey. Mm. Anyway, yeah, just shout Mickey. out. All right. Mickey D. Hey. Hey. Mickey D's. Hey. Wild. Hey. Love it. Dre, just because you're hey. safe in suburban uh, New Mickey D's. The whole time, you know what I mean? <laughs> How dare you. Oh. Dre looking like a non-playable character out of GTA, Dr. Ice's son. Hey, that is the perfect comment because you guys might know this, but Dre is like high level in GTA. He once tried it. I don't, I don't play video games because I have an addictive personality, so I just avoid those things. Dre, Dre like made an avatar for me on GTA, made a character for me, looks exactly like me. But Dre has like an entire Gus Fring uh, Breaking Bad empire on GTA. It's incredible. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. All right, then. Controversial. This is from Simbol oh. again. It's in oh, and no. What? What? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, no. Is Eamon Boshdeppi a better street fighter than William Chung, a more resourceful, less attached to Wing Chung dogma? Um, wow, that's, that is controversial, right? That is controversial. Uh, yes, I mean, uh, having, so uh, when I started um, the, uh, the, uh, the WT lineage, my first teacher was um, Sifu Eamon Boshdeppi. So he was one of the, the first guys who I was under him in the States before I went to Europe. And before I learned from uh, uh, Sifu Learning Ting directly. And I also know this because I know a lot of guys who trained with him back in the day. Um, no, I mean, Sifu, I mean, I, I think as a teenager would have been a far superior street fighter to William Chang. Um, Size-wise, they weren't much different. William Chang's a relatively big guy for a Chinese guy. I think maybe 5'10", 5'11". And Emin is like 6'2". Uh, so not a huge mm. difference in height. But uh, no, I mean, um, those... Uh, it, it, it's something not a lot of people understand. But um, Turkish, uh, Turkish dudes like from Emin's generation who grew up in Germany, they grew up with an extreme amount of racism because they came into Germany... The, the Turkish people came into Germany, I believe, in, in post-war Germany as guest workers to basically rebuild Germany. And the idea was they were going to rebuild Germany and then go back to Turkey, right? But they never went back. So Turkish people became the kind of dominant minority within Germany. And there was still a lot of racism against foreigners. And so the Turks who grew up like in the 70s and 80s, those dudes are really tough dudes. And I... I, I in my three years training in Germany, I spent a lot of time with Turkish people, who German Turks who grew up there, and they, they told me about this history. And um, these are badass dudes. And so Emin grew up with most likely with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I think Emin as a teenager would 100% have been a, a far tougher and, 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 and harder in his head, uh, uh, like as a tough guy uh, than, than William Chang would have been. Um, and so, yes, for sure. I, the, the, I mean, I don't say that in any kind of, I mean, if William Chung was a better fighter, in my estimation, I would admit it. But um, no, I, I, I don't think that that was the case. Um, I think Emin was better. I wouldn't say Emin is less attached to Wing Chun dogma. I mean, if you see him now and you see him doing some different things, 
No, I mean, Sifu Amin, in my opinion, was one of the most pure WT guys in terms of fighting. Um, it's just that there are differences between WT and William Chang's traditional Wing Chun and some of the other Wing Chun. I think mm. what you're seeing, what you consider dogma, is a difference in the lineage's approach to the Wing Chun as, oppo as opposed to dogma. And also that William Chang's own version of Wing Chun, which he calls traditional Wing Chun, is also something that I believe is, is of his own creation. There's no, nothing historically to substantiate that this comes from anyone other than William Chang. And so um, it depends on what dogma you're actually uh, following here. So, um, but no, I, I think, I think uh, Emin would, would have been the superior fighter um, back then. So uh, I see here, Yip Man doing Tansel for 15 minutes from Siuntel. That's in, internal. So, okay, guys, when I say about Wing Chun being, in, please do not talk to me like I don't know the difference between internal and external. I mean a fully internal style. I don't mean a style with internal elements, which most Chinese Kung Fu styles have elements of both. Some <laughs> Kung Fu styles are only internal, some are only external, some are external at first and become internal, some are internal at first and become external, some walk a parallel path. I understand Siunam Tao, the slow dragged out third set, the times of, please do not talk to me like I'm someone who hasn't read this before. I wrote an entire book about it. Calm down, buddy. We're oh. talking about people making claims about the entire Wing Chun style being internal the way Tai Chi is. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, you don't need to give me more, whoever that was in the comments. I get it. I wrote a book about it. Um, I didn't fall off the Wing Chun turnip truck yesterday. All right, guys. So, what else we got here before we get out of here? Well, you know, Wing Chun Clan, Sketchy Jose, is Sketchy uh, Jose in the house. Yeah, he's literally texting me on the on the side, asking if we've asked his question. So, you know, I don't want ah. him to cry. You know what I mean? So, Amy Bosepi and William Chung versus Bruce Lee and Wong Jack Man. WWF Monday Night Raw rules. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That got would be wow. <laughs> that yeah, that would be an awesome so, sight to see. Yeah, but, but so first of all, I'm uh, you know, despite the fact that I grew up in this country in the '80s, I didn't grow up like a big WWE or WWF fan. Yeah. So, um, but of course, you couldn't escape it growing up in the '80s in this country. Um, no, I don't think that would be the fair tag team because both Emin and William are big dudes. And Bruce Lee and Wong Jack Man are smaller, so I think yeah. I think you need to I think you need to cross it. You need to have like yeah. Emin, and so my dream team would be Emin and Bruce Lee versus William Chung and Wong Jack Man. That would be no. wild. That would be wild. Um, because that's Bruce Lee, what was that? So no, carry on. I was going to say that's predicated on the idea that pro wrestling isn't fixed. Because the thing about it is, is if you have those teams, Bruce Lee and Wong Jack Man. Who's to say they're not going to win in some ridiculous way where, I don't know, another wrestler comes in, slaps someone over the head with a steel chair and then stops like, the referee from going like he just jumps down on it. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. To, to be fair, to be fair, in this hypothetical, we would be in a time machine and they would all have to be at their peak. Okay. okay. So Amy at his peak, okay. William at his peak, Bruce at his peak, Wong Jack Man at his peak. All right. So we are taking them all from different timelines at different times in this hypothetical to mm -hmm. make everything fair. No, I would, I would want, I wouldn't want this fight to be like a straight up, like kind of one of those. I, I want this fight. They gotta to fight be, like wrestlers. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, like Bruce Lee smashing like 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 a, a chair over Wong Jackman's head. Like that's what I want. That's what I want to see, right? <laughs> Running and body slamming, right? That's exactly yeah. what I expect to see. No, 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 no. Yeah. I don't want. I want to see a kung fu fight. I want to see. I want to see a, a, a wrestling match, right? So, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Cool, cool, okay. cool. Uh, we, we have one more, and then we'll peace have, out of here. I have. I have one. I have one. Where is it? Oh no. Okay. What'd you lose it? Man, I lost it. Where is it? Where is it? Come on. You better hurry, because otherwise I'm 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 getting one in. You know what I'm saying? I see. Get one in, Mikey. All right. Because I Okay, I I know I know the question off the top. Let me just find the guy. The guy's name is Muse Suffused. Or Muse Suffused. Well, before we do that, I just want to give a quick shout out to Topher because I didn't shout him out earlier. And also my contact. Yo, actually, to and Topher has a podcast which you guys should follow. By the way, that other Wing Chun guy, you better follow it. Yeah, <laughs> right, a small community. I feel like if he, his podcast starts to grow, our podcast, we can be like kind of a podcast group. You know what I mean? Yep. And we can right. do, you know, it can be like a conglomeration, and we can take over the world. All right, so Musa Fused, Musa Fused asks a controversial question. He says, is William Chung's WC bullshit? Come on, spill the beans. And this is this is off the top of the dome. Like, I read this and I remembered it. So I think mm. you just made it up personally, but whatever. I did not make just, this up. This is not a Dreisen I think you were, uh, uh, what's it, uh, Dreisen question in there. Because I did not see that question anywhere here. You are a very, very sinister man. I don't see no Dreisen question. Okay. Um, all right. So, um, so here's what I'm going to say. I, I would answer this question now very differently than I would 15 years ago. Um, because 15 years ago, I was very much, you know, I still teach WT. I'm a learning Tang Wing Chun guy at heart because that's what I learned, even though I'm not part of his association anymore. Um, and, you know, 15 years ago, I would have had a much more political, much more company line answer on that. Um, I have... so. so so he, this is really hard for people to understand, okay? I learned from Sifu Tang for a number of years. I learned from Sifu. I mean, I came from that whole thing. The guys who had the beef with William Chang, I came from there, right? I don't give a shit about any of that. I, I, I don't care. Because at some point, you choose your path. You're like, I like this Wing Chun. And I, I, ch- I chose this having looked at all the different ones. I'm like, I like Learn Tang Wing Chun. I train it. You know, this is kind of my path. And that doesn't mean that I couldn't one day do something else or change it or whatever. I'm very open-minded in that way. But I did a lot of research in, in William Chung's style. I have his books. I have a number of his videos. I've met some of his students. I even did some seminars with some of his guys back in the 90s as right. I was starting to experiment. Um, and um, uh, it, his Wing Chun style is very different because, like I said, I believe he created it probably out of a need to kind of maybe claim that the real Wing Chun could have filled in the gaps that Bruce Lee claimed, like Bruce Lee claimed Wing Chun was missing X, Y, Z. And then it's like, well, Bruce Lee didn't learn everything, but, uh, but maybe the regular Wing Chun doesn't have X, Y, Z, but like, but, oh, but this secret style I learned from does have X, Y, Z. And so I, I believe that maybe William Chun's traditional Wing Chun, which I don't feel that is actually traditional. um, That's just the name he gave it um, is in fact um, his own, development, which is fine. What I never understood about William Chung is why he didn't just say, um, 
that this was his style. As someone who learned from Yip Man and someone who was friends with Bruce Lee and came up with Wong Tsun Leung, I believe that if William Cheung in the 70s had just said, based on my own research and based on my own fighting experience, mm. uh, I believe Wing Chun should be re-engineered to be maybe more modern or whatever, whatever the buzzword is. And so I have decided to re-engineer the forms, re-engineer the footwork. And this is, as he does call it, William Chang's Wing Chun. And mm. I think that he, that would have been completely uncontroversial if he did that because pe people could look at it and say, oh, well, William Chang changed his style because he felt that there were some limitations in the Wing Chun that he learned. And he developed his own style of Wing Chun. And that is Chang's Wing Chun. And then everyone would be like, oh, yeah, he's a guy who learned from Bruce Lee, but the Wing Chun that he does is different because he decided to change it. No problem. The problem yeah. is when you then go and say that your dead Sifu secretly taught it to you in the middle of the night, when you can now go back and look at the history of Leung Chan's Gulo Village Wing Chun, you can look at the other styles of Wing Chun that, pre that predate Yip Man Wing Chun, and you go, well, how come no one else had this? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, because it was only taught here and here, and then you get into the whole secret revelation thing, and then it's like, if a hypothesis uh, cannot be proven because no one saw it in its secret, then you can throw it on its head because there is no evidence. So I think that uh, William Chen would have been better served had he just admitted that this was his own style. So that's what I'm going to say about that. As to the actual system of Wing Chun, like the way that he does it, like anything else, there are things that are great. There are things that I don't like. I'm sure when traditional Wing Chun guys look at Lang Ting Wing Chun, they don't like the way we turn, the way we shift, the way we move. And, oh, this is not bull this is bullshit, blah, 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 whatever. And we look at the way they do stuff and we go, well, I wouldn't do it that way. So we're actually the same. All right. We have our view. They have their view. And I'm not bothered by William Chung people. William Chung people, I, I rented my space out to William Chung people for years before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And they, they rented my space. Would I, I get along very well with them? I remember Victor Carlotti time. and his students. Um, yeah, uh, Mike Mundy, uh, those guys, um, Phil Redmond and his guys, yeah. David Alonso, those really, we'll really do. great guys. We'll and I am not at all bothered by the Wing Chun that they do because that's their thing. It doesn't affect me. People need to be like everyone talks about you get into martial arts to improve your confidence, to improve your way of interacting with other people. And then they start doing martial arts and then they get all bent out of shape about what other people are saying or claiming. And I go, wait a minute, isn't this thing supposed to make you more confident, make you more chill, make you more relaxed. And you're like letting another style of Wing Chun and historical claims that don't agree with what you are living your head rent free. Why do you even care? He can go out there, oh, William Chung, Wing Chun's no good. Lang Ting, Wing Chun, uh, Wong Sun, lost his fight. Da, da, da. It's like, dude, dude, are you happy doing what you're doing? Yes? Then calm down. Let everyone do what they want to do. Who cares? They're not hurting anyone else. Even if you feel that they're, you know, people go like, oh, but they're claiming things that aren't true. Yeah, but is that hurting you? Are you losing students? Are, are, are you now somehow unsure of yourself because they're making other claims? Who cares? Just let it go. Um, I don't Ooh. I, I had an opinion about William Chen's Wing Chun many years ago. I don't anymore because I've, I've moved on from that. And I'm not saying I moved on from, like, I'm not saying he's not relevant to me, uh, like, or he's not relevant to Wing Chun. I'm saying I've also moved on from having a strong opinion about Lerm Teng, and I teach his Wing Chun. I've also moved on from having a strong opinion about a lot of things I used to care about because by the time you're in your mid-40s, you look around and you go, why am I getting bent out of shape about stuff that doesn't even affect me? You're, you're only responsible. I'm responsible as an instructor for my own students, my own training, and making that better. If if I see something I like, I can adopt it. If not, well, why do I even care? What's up, Mikey? You're in you're in your mid forties. Yes. I don't believe it. Look at you, just 
so handsome. You don't look a day ah. 29. <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much i appreciate it all right i will uh, i'll send you over some of that super chat money afterwards <laughs> all right guys Yo, well, hey. that money we got one more uh mr uh, frank one more. offered no he's just uh, just he gave us 10 bucks nice. wow, thank you Brent Quanzo. Nice. much appreciated that was awesome absolutely cool and uh Jay, all right thank i apologize you. That question was real. I apologize. But I know you, oh, so you, I know what's going on. You thought on. I made it up? You thought yeah. I made it up because I said it off the dome, and I almost yes. had it correct. Because you lost a lot of credibility for years of Dreisen. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, guys. This has been a lot of fun, uh, and I just want to just uh, say again, you know, Happy New Year to all of our uh, listeners, everyone who watches us on YouTube, everyone who supports yeah. us on Patreon, you know, the fact that we can, you know, meet once a week and whether we do it live or pre-recorded and just talk about the kind of stuff that we find interesting and uh, that you guys, you know, we have a small core. We just, uh, we just passed 10,000 subscribers. I was which is just not, about to mention that. Yeah, thank you, not, everyone. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, coming through. we're not huge on YouTube, but you know, it's been growing steadily and we appreciate the kind of solid core base of fans out there and uh we are going to be doing a lot this year i've been texting with my guys i just got back from florida we've been texting regularly about lots of ideas to uh expand the podcast in addition to our regular weekly episodes i also want to go back to doing some like content where maybe i talk about specific topics some of the stuff that like golden bell does like you know a, like me just talking in the camera on a specific topic with mm -hmm. videos and stuff like that uh um, because I think that I can do it better than some of those guys. But we're still going to have the regular discussion. We're going to do more interviews, more stuff for Patreon. Um, I'm working. I get this question all the time. I'm working on my Buji book. Hopefully, we're ready by April or May for that. And uh, we have a new schedule for our New York students. I'm going to post it tomorrow. Uh, we got new classes. So everyone is training in New York. Look for the new schedule. It's super exciting. We got new classes, lots of opportunities to do uh, more sparring, more chi sao, in addition to the regular classes. And uh, yeah, I'm looking to retire from group class teaching in two years. So oh, at the at the end of two years, I'm just going to teach private lessons and instructor classes and things like ITCs. But um, yeah, just letting my City Wing Chun students know, um, I'll be teaching group classes for two more years and that's it. So for you guys who are around, uh, I have my Monday class every Monday that I'm in town, which is most Mondays from 8 to 9.30. That class is on, still on the new schedule. That is a, an open format class for any of my students, mainly intermediate and above. Beginners are welcome, but it's more for uh, chunky level and above. I'm going to be teaching that class for two more years, and then that's going to be it for me teaching group classes at City Wing Chun. I'll just be there privately. So for former students who've been kind of lazy and getting back into training, if you still want to train with your old Sifu and Sigong, right. you got two years. All right. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's all I got to say about that. Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year to you, Dre and Mikey. I'll see you guys this week. Happy Love New you guys. Happy Thank New you, Year, everyone. Mikey. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung. And I produce masses. You surpass us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. Yeah. <laughs> We're not live anymore, are we?